Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast with me, Jack Hope, Ross Legg. How are you doing, Ross? Marvellous, thank you, mate. And Max Rowe-Brown. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit lost, Jack. I don't know what to do with myself now. Why, why don't you know what to do with yourself, Max? Well, the, we were just inundated with cricket for about two months and now it's all been taken away. It has. Uh, that was quite a good segue, actually, from introductions to the topics of the week. Um, which will, of course, be the cricket which has been taken away. We will be talking about the IPL final. Um, boys, it's just finished. What were your initial impressions? We're, we're recording less than an hour from the end of the game. So let's let's get a hot take before we get into the, the rest of the show. Ross? Um, it was a it was as expected, I think. It was a great spectacle. But I think once you've played, what, best part of 60 games of cricket in the space of a month and a half... Um, it was just relatively under, a bit anticlimactic, I must admit. Well, uh, I'm sorry that you felt that way. Uh, Max Roy brown what did you think of the IPL final, really quickly? I think the uh, tournament uh, got the winners it deserved. I, I would probably agree with that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be going that in more detail in a second. Um, we should also say, what else should we say? We should also say that Paul Nixon is joining us on the podcast a little bit later on. Are you excited about that, Ross? Yeah, he was great to have on, actually. And obviously, he's got... Speaking about T20 cricket, he's got a great record, not only as a player, but also as a coach. And I think some of the insights that he gave and some of the stories that he told were absolutely great to hear. Yeah, he's uh, he's very much how I imagined, to, imagined him to be. Uh, he, had, he had quite a few good stories about chat. He told us about the Fred Lowe incident. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talked about uh, the way he sort of signed off from English cricket with uh, the 2011 um, T20 blast win. Uh, that was a really good interview. That'll be the second half of the show um, after we've talked about the IPL. Uh, before we take a break, though, uh, as ever, we, we shoehorn in one question. Um, and this week, this week, I think it's a good question, fellas. Um, if you could change one thing about the IPL to improve it, what would it be and why? Max? So my idea is to have sort of a, a joke a week. So, you know, like at the end of the season for your cricket club, you uh, a lot of teams do this thing where they put everyone's name into a hat and you pick the batting order out of a hat. Or another thing I've seen people do is um, you put in a shot in a hat and each player picks out a shot and they have to play that their first ball of the game no matter what. I'd, I'd oh, like to really see it. I'd like to see that uh, implemented one game a, a a season for each team. I did say improve, not destroy, but um... sorry, that must have been lost in translation. Don't don't worry. I will I will I will save the day. <laughs> so, just give me a little bit of time here. So, because there's no fans in the stadium, this means there's actually plenty of room for the outros. <laughs> As the IPL is sponsored by a fantasy league game, I think uh, they should assign the top five scorers from the previous game, and strategically place the outros around the ground. Each of the five top scorers gets assigned an outros. And then if the batsman hit the outros with the ball, um, fan prizes. Big hitting, fan engagement, sponsors are happy. Um, Seems like a waste of cars. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to go big there. I thought you were going to be like, okay, so there's no fans in the stadium, so we're going to set up a wall of death and we're going to drive outcrosses around the wall of death the whole time the, the cricket match is going on, set some kind of Guinness world record. Um, I, th- I thought when you said wall of death, I thought you were, let's drive the outcrosses around and let's give the players carbon monoxide poisoning. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, Have you got a better idea? Uh, I, I had a, quite a simple one. Um, I, I had let the Pakistani players play. Ah, oh. oh, yes. Yeah, you took it. You've taken it seriously there. Yeah, I took it. I sorry. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, like, if you're completely politically mental, maybe that doesn't improve things. But um, I think it'd be good, wouldn't it? I yeah, think, think so. the IPL would be improved by Baba Azam and Shaheen, and Shaheen Afridi. Yeah, Very much CSK so. would have bought back Shahid Afridi. Shahid <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit young, isn't he, for them? Show back to our opening the bowling. <laughs> <laughs> What's we'll see much um, to? Yeah, uh, so that's um, that's how we would improve the IPL. Let us know on Twitter um, what you think of those ideas and do contribute yourself. Ross, where can people find us? At the Cricket Pod. On? Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. And they can email us where? Thecricketpod at gmail.com. And what else should people do? They should follow us, they should like us, they should review us, and they should also go onto our Twitter page, click on the Movember link, and donate the money to a great cause that I'm following at the moment. That is a good, that's a good point, Ross. We forgot about that one. Um, on the topic of reviews, I think we should pick this up now, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not spiteful and we're not vindictive or anything, but we received a three-star review um, this week. Why did we receive that review, Ross? Um, from one mistake, one small mistake, Bye. where I personally <laughs> was in charge of editing the show, and inadvertently I didn't do a proper QA. So six minutes in, six minutes in, it started to echo, unfortunately, repeat itself. So when it was pointed out, rectified it within five minutes, re-uploaded, but... It didn't stop the Blackbird leaving us a three-star review, where, yeah, that- where they let us know that they'd been listening to the podcast and really enjoying it. However, like because of that one mistake, we couldn't get more than three stars. People just love to complain, don't they? <laughs> if you'd like to balance that out at all, um, yeah, feel free. Go, go on to iTunes and do that. Uh, that is, that's the introduction. Um, shall we take a quick break and then we'll come back with the IPL? So, as we mentioned, the IPL final was today, but before the final, there was one other quite important game to decide who had the honour of facing up against the Mumbai Indians. Ross, how did that go? Well, Max, um, between Delhi Capitals and the Sunrisers Hyderabad, um, as we talked about in the preview, Sunrisers had beaten Delhi Capitals twice already in the tournament, had the wood over them, Rashid Khan, the tormentor-in-chief, um, and we said that if Delhi had any chance of winning, they'd have to disrupt the Sunrisers Hyderabad game plan, which had led them to win, what, four in the bounce, I think it was, or six wins in the last five games? Um, six wins in the last five. That's 
five wins good. in the last six games. Sorry, <laughs> um, that, no, I was talking about Kings Eleven. They were they were the comeback Kings Eleven. <laughs> um, but ultimately, Delhi nailed our plan. I think they were listening. First action, drop Privdi Shaw, tick. Second action, attack the openers and force Dave Warner into a bowling change, tick. Third, Dave Warner picks the wrong bowler, take down Shabazz Nadim, tick. Keep it up with me. Mm-hmm. Step four, Warner goes to Rashid early. All DC have to do in this situation is don't lose all your wickets and then they'll be able to set a pretty decent imposing score. Um, they only lose one wicket, which is Stoinis, who completely misreads the uh, leg spinner, um, and then proceeds to swear at Rashid Khan, yeah, well, yeah, and Rashid some... Khan gives him some words back, which was good. Um, so I'll break there. It was all, all systems go for Delhi Capitals against Sunrisers. They were good. They they turned up, as they say, in um in the business. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well Sunrisers Hyderabad's fielding was atrocious. They're just their performance in general. Like they they big time bottled. They they dropped four catches, which which was never good. Um, Jason Holder probably had his worst game of the tournament after we talked him up in the game before. Um, and I think maybe uh, the Capitals surprised them a little bit um, by switching up their openers. So Stoinis, obviously, he went out to open and, and he he teed off, didn't he? He, um, he scored 38 quite quick runs mm-hmm. and that put the Delhi Capitals on the front foot. And, and, and Ross, I really do think that the, the point you make about Rashid Khan when he bowled and something which we did point out, um, that meant that um, Warner was basically unable to dictate the the pace and the tempo of the game. Um, if you're bowling, I, I I have a theory, or I, I think in general, the seventh over of an of a T20 game is the most pointless over of the innings <laughs> um, because the power plays over. So the the, the batting team they, they're either happy with what they've got or they're in rebuild mode. Um, and the, from the, the bowling perspective, similarly, you, you can start using um, the, the kind of middle-over bowlers that you, you don't want to use necessarily. Step forward, Nathan Coulter-Nile. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, he might be an example. But they, they actually had to use Rashid Khan in the seventh over to try and take a wicket because, because they were being batted out of the game by, um, by Stoinis and Shikha Darwan. Um, so uh, it, it's very hard to, to seize the initiative back um once 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 you've you've been under that barrage i also like the yeah, the point you make around the change in the delhi lineup i also like the fact that when they were on top they sent in hetmeyer they, they they promoted him up the order and they sent him in and he did exactly what hetmeyer does he yeah. batted fantastically well um so let's move on to sunrise's innings and we'll continue with the with the plan number 5 get david warner early rabada cleans him up first ball he bowls Great delivery. Six, break the Williamson-Holder partnership that will inevitably happen. Tick, did that. Get Williamson out. Done. And then eight, get Abdul Samad. Is that his name? It is Abdul yep. Samad, yeah. Get him out and win. And ultimately, they did all of those things. And they, It was a really professional, really strong performance. I mean, from... the, the bowling plan there doesn't sound too complicated. It seems to be take the wickets of the good players. <laughs> Welcome to welcome to cricket, Max. <laughs> um, but it did work. I it mean, looked it, on for a little bit, didn't it? It looked vaguely within the realms of possibility when uh, Williamson was on 50-60. Well, yeah, Williamson and Samad, they had... Um, so, so when Holder was out, they were 90 for four. 
um, which, and at that point, the game sort of looked dead because there were eight overs to go, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Samad and Williamson got together and they started to score the runs at about the rate required. Um, Williamson himself hit, like, had played some really, really nice shots and looked like in, in, in fine touch. Um, unfortunately, um, any wicket at that point basically ended the game. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is what's that, what, that is what happened. Um, with with I think almost exactly three overs to go, three point one overs to go. Mm-hmm. Williamson is out, and at that point, um, they were still forty two runs short. So forty two runs off three overs with Williamson and Samad doable. Um, as soon as Williamson's gone, it's it's a huge burden to put onto Samad, and um, and Rashid Khan, who was the next man in, uh, right at the beginning of the tournament, um, I asked the question whether. Rashid Khan was actually any good at batting. And I, I think you kind of see, well, I don't know what you see from this. This was this was the ideal time for him to demonstrate why he is the ICC's number one all-rounder in the world. Um, and he's got 11 off seven, which is neither here nor there really in the context <laughs> of the game. Um, and I, and I, think, I think really probably highlights the weakness that, 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 that justifies why Delhi Capital should have gone past Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, the Sunrisers Hyderabad, once you get past Williamson, and he bats at number four. Really, there's not an awful lot to be that scared of, and and this game demonstrated that quite clearly as they as they lost by 17 runs in the end. So they only managed to get 25 off the. Well, I mean, they got 25 off the last three, but that was was well 17 too few. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Williamson point's really good. I think like he also showed he's just a cut above. Like you look at Steve Smith played in this competition, so did Virat Kohli, and actually Kane Williamson was the best out of all three of them. He he had a solid tournament, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Max, you predicted at the start of uh, the show in terms of IPL specials mm-hmm. that um, that Sunrisers Hyderabad would find their way and eventually be crowned champions of the IPL for this year. Um, you've fallen at almost the last hurdle. How has that made you feel? Um, to be honest, it actually made me feel pretty good, bearing in mind where they were. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wasn't a complete moron, <laughs> as it was very close to me uh, looking to be. I got the impression that Dave Warner sort of felt like that as well in his post-match interview. He was—he didn't seem as gutted as someone who's effectively been knocked out of a semi-final usually would be. Yeah, his main—his main point seemed to be like nobody gave us a chance here, and um, and we 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 proved something to some people. Even yeah. if we didn't actually get to play for it all in, it's in like, the final, it's like needing to win like nine nil to avoid relegation and winning eight nil and being like, well, like not, we, not we went like down, that. but we gave it a good shot. <laughs> um, if you lost, I, I don't think. I think if you if you won eight nil, you would be so gutted. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Gutted. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. anyway, there were, as, as we, we didn't think there was too much of a chance um, for them to win the uh, thing. But Max, I think the Sunrisers deserve a fitting tribute, and I think you've um, you've created one for them. Yeah, well, um, I don't know how good your uh, your English history is, but I actually have been doing some research today and discovered, much to my surprise, that um, William Shakespeare was actually a massive cricket fan. Uh, not only a cricket fan, but a massive uh, fan of the IPL and the Sunrisers. And I actually uh, uncovered um, one of his old uh, drafts of a, of a sonnet 
written in uh, in Ode to Sunrises. Oh, have you now? Yeah, yeah. So, wow. I, I, shall I, would you like me to share that with you? I, I think that would be no apt. Yeah, come on then, shaky. I'll, I'll share it. Share it for Ross, but not for Jack. <laughs> yeah, see if you recognise any of the lines from actual sonnets. Shall I compare thee to the SRH? Thou art more stressful and more talented. The batting starts strong, but then falls away. But Warner's hope hath not yet relented. Sometime too hot the hair of Bairstow shines, and often is his pale complexion burned, and every man's form doth sometimes decline. Is that perhaps why his batting was spurned? But thy eternal summer shall not fade, even when thy chances were their lowest. In the Garden of Sharjah scores were made, with Sahar and Holder where Bairstow is. But so long as Stoyness has arms like thighs, so quickly the sunrises come back dies. There you go. Beautiful. Max, that is a a fitting tribute, and uh, what a great place for us to have a quick break. Yeah, so that brings us on to the final, where we saw the Delhi Capitals face off against the Mumbai Indians. Jack, talk us through the momentous occasion. Well... Game 60 of the IPL, the Mumbai Indians take on the Capitals for it all. Um, All in this case being the IPL 2020 trophy. Delhi Delhi won the toss and they decided that runs on the board would be the way to go in the final. Um, So we all sat down at 2pm UK time to watch Marcus, Marcus? Marcus Stoinis be dismissed first ball by Trent Bolt. And... um, to be honest, that kind of set the tone for large amounts of the game, really. Mumbai Indians absolutely dominated every aspect and won very, 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 very comfortably. <laughs> More comfortably than the actual margin of victory suggests, I think. Yeah. No, at no point did it look like they were going to lose, really. Uh, or and at no point did the balance tip into the Capitals' favour. It was the Mumbai Indians were always on top. Um, once again, and this has been sort of a, a theme of the Capitals v, v um, Delhi, uh, the Capitals v Indians games for for this tournament. The Capitals had a terrible power play with the bat. Um, they failed to explode with the the bat again at the end at the death. Um, then with the ball, they didn't really take any important wickets. And also didn't really do an awful lot to control the run rate um, in in the context of the match. Um, So yeah, the fourth time that Mumbai Indians have defeated Delhi Capitals this season. I wonder, um, Max, how many more times would these two have to play each other before Delhi were able to win one? Uh, I've run the numbers. It's actually uh, 17. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, just such a dominant performance. There's not you. You really want the the the, the IPL to have a great final. It did last year. Uh, World Cup final, not the IPL, but the World Cup final was amazing last year as well. Um, lots of people would have been tuning in, hoping for something good, and and we got something that wasn't very good, really. I thought, Ross, um, what did you? What did you, what were your feelings as you as you watched this transpire? Well, I said it at the top of the show. I kind of thought it was a little bit anticlimactic. I thought the the build up was going to be there. It looks like there's going to be 250 million people watching this worldwide. It's one of the biggest sporting events, and they're, they're right. But the figures, they are right. Um, but ultimately, the, the Mumbai Indians team is just so good. Like they are maybe one player away from just being the all time greatest T20 side. They've, they've got great talent throughout. They've got great hitters. 
a fantastically mixed bowling unit, and they've also got good decision makers. So when we saw RCB in the first qualifier change their side against Sunrisers, it was like, what are they doing? The selection there was always going to be a disaster, and they were more than likely destined to lose. When it came to Mumbai Indians, they decided to drop Chahar, who'd been smashed around by Delhi beforehand, and brought in Yadav. And also it was based on the matchups as well, because they thought that actually the off-spinner had more chances of taking the important wickets against the left-handers. Ultimately, Yadav struck in his first over, getting rid of um, Shekhar Darwin. Huge wicket, and all of a sudden, your pressure's well on, and Iron Pant, to their credit, did reasonably well. First time in the tournament that Pant has done well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is disappointing. Yeah. Um... Mumbai Indians are he's very a, good. He's a big game player. <laughs> <He's> a big... <laughs> um, in, in a similar way to, to how we went through um, Delhi Capital's game plan for beating Sunrisers Hyderabad uh, in, the, in, the, in the qualifier, um, do you want to review our notes from the last game? Because I think they, kind of, they do tell a bit of a story in terms of explaining why the Delhi Capitals lost so badly to the Mumbai Indians. Um, the, the points we highlighted, one... Was see off Trent Bolt, um, except the balls. <laughs> that started well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> except the ball's going to move early on. Trent Bolt's bowling well with it, um, and and take the, we said take the lesser of two evils and try and make the runs up later when you with wickets in hand. Um, they had a disaster of a power play. I think it's fair to say they got pro- probably the worst possible power play that they they they, they could have imagined. Um, no, dis- disagree. Um, they were zero for three in the last <laughs> sorry, power play yes, against yeah. um, Mumbai Indians. <laughs> no, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, so the second worst power play they that, that could have could have well they could have imagined. Um, <laughs> we said target any over that Pollard bowls, and they did. They did. They managed to hit Pollard for I think twelve off his over, um, which was good tactics. Um, we said target whoever bowls death overs that isn't named Jasprit Bumrah. Didn't really do that. Nathan Coulter Nile <laughs> got away or got away bowled bowled a good over. Um, they at one point with sort of four overs to go, I think ten and over would have got them up to 170, which might have been a competitive score. Um, they didn't get anywhere near that. Um, <laughs> well, they, I, they they got nine runs fewer, but that, that nine runs is a lot of runs in a T20 game. Mm-hmm. Um, we said take risk against Chahar. They didn't have the opportunity to do that because Chahar didn't play, and we said make good. Uh, make Pant good again, um, which we, you know they made him better, but they didn't make him f- great. <laughs> I, I would say. Um, so we were we were pretty good. Yeah, though. we were. If they'd accomplished everything, they might have won. But I I, I do think the the collapse in the power play that the, the game was it was such a long way back from that point. And even after the the Pant and I recovery, they were still they still needed to have a great set of death overs. Um, and when they didn't do that, it was uh, like 161. It was, uh, yeah, you know, they were like Bread a wounded butter. antelope on the Serengeti. <laughs> well, the carcass that walked out to bat was Rohit Sharma, and uh, he uh, he batted extremely well. Um, did we, did we recently out... highlight his poor record in knockout games in the IPL? He had a terrible record, <laughs> an absolutely terrible record. What was that? Let me check back on my notes. He had an average, what was it? I think it was an average of twelve in the in the it wasn't IPL. Yeah, I think that, that rings a bell. Yeah, twelve. Um, and ultimately, in this game, he ended up with seventy odd. Um, he batted extremely well. He did run out one of my favourite players in old um, 
Yadav, which was quite disappointing. Um, but then was joined by Kishan at the crease, who is just impressed and impressed and impressed. He's got better every single game he's played in. And this game was unbelievably assured, knew exactly where his hitting zones were. It was just a, an unbelievably dominant performance. Um, my biggest, well, my favourite moment of the whole thing was Hardik Pandya getting out. Crunel coming in with one to win and then Crunel like bunts it on the floor and runs through for the single and then celebrates like he's hit a hundred to win the final. Uh, yeah, we have to do it, don't you? Um, <laughs> do you know, should we look back on Mumbai Indians? Here's a question. Are they the best team ever to play in the IPL? This iteration of the Mumbai Indians? I, th- I think um, for me, Nathan Coulter didn't have a bad final here. But I've, we've we've ridiculed him. He's just not the overseas player that they could have in that bracket. My question wasn't how do you improve the Mumbai Indians. My question was are they the best team we've seen in the IPL so far? Since I've been following the IPL, they are the best team that I've seen. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Max, any thoughts? Um, I uh, that's three out of three. I think. Yeah. I mean, just to sort of reflect back, they had the best net run rate ever in the group stage. They won eleven. Uh, they won nine of their fourteen matches, which means they actually lost five. But two of those they they tied. Um, yeah, losing super overs, and they got Ben Stokes in another one, um, and, and then in another the one, one they just didn't play most of their players. Yeah, oh yes, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that one as well. Um, basically, in this tournament, they absolutely smashed teams. They didn't put a proper team out. Ben Stokes happened, or they lost super over. <laughs> like <laughs> it's um, they're completely dominant. Complete for a, for mm-hmm. a, for a league that em- that has a strong emphasis on. Parity, they they really really are good. Um, well, they've got their strategy right. That's what we've talked about with Dan Weston before, and they've got their strategy spot on. And compared to some of the other teams, you you really do wonder what is going on in some of the other teams, like how they got that so badly. Um, but I think one of the best pickups has obviously been Quinton de Kock from Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, what a great trade, and ultimately have really solidified their opening partnership and a great person behind the stumps. Yeah. Yeah, he had a good tournament. I uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, anything else to say on Delhi um before before we we wrap up the final. Um I think they did as best they could if I'm perfect. I was finishing second. We said they were the second best team, um but they're just unfortunately a second best team by quite a long way. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. to the Mumbai Indians. It was, a, it was a fantastic performance over the whole of the IPL. Yeah, Max, what can Delhi do differently? Uh well, I think they just need to re- rely on Marcus Stoinis a bit less. We've said it enough times that they rely on Stoinis for, for power and when he lasts one ball and scores no runs, that's not going to help. No, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, should we talk about some of the individual awards? So yeah, congratulations to Mumbai Indians, um, fully deserved. But there, there, were, there were some other things on the line going into finals day. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you like to start, Max? <clears throat> Shall we start with the batting? Yeah, so what we're going to do, we'll talk through who won the official IPL award and then we'll um, we'll mention who we think maybe was better than that person. <laughs> <laughs> so KL Rahul, he won um, the, the, the hat. The, is it orange? It's the orange hat. Orange cap. Yeah, yeah, the orange cap for most runs. Um, he had a good tournament, I thought. Uh, Max, who was better than KL Rahul, though? So for me, I'm actually going to... I've got to say Ishan Kishan... Um, has been the most impressive with the bat, mainly because of his age and how important it is in uh, in the you know in the makeup of your side to have that sort of young rising um, Indian star come off. 
because we've seen a, a few of the other teams that's not happened and they've they've struggled and Ishan Kishan was the highest run scorer for the Mumbai Indians I mean he averaged 57 which is more than Rahul and he did it at 145 strike rate which is significantly more than Kale Rahul so not only did he score a bucketful he did it a lot quicker and ultimately in a winning cause and I've been nothing but hugely impressed by him I uh, I had Ishan Kishan down as well for basically all those reasons so I won't repeat them um Ross Ross what did you think <laughs> we'll just add on to that um, Ishan Kishan bit it was also that he batted in different positions right yeah he, he opened, opened the batting me. for them third fourth fifth and he always hit runs regardless of who we were um another player from Mumbai Indians for me was uh Surakumar Yadav and he, he just looked in, he looks he was so nice to watch like the guy is just—he's just a classical kind of batsman, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the way in which he conducted himself. And there was games where Mumbai Indians—if he would have got out, they would have been up against it. But he was always building strong partnerships, always putting pressure back on the bowlers, and ultimately, I think it was really, really impressive. Um, I didn't really want to look any further than Mumbai Indians. They were—they were, as you say, so dominant <laughs> with the bat that it's, it's really quite difficult. Yeah. K. K. L. Rahul just—he's a, a glorified stat padder. <laughs> No, it's, 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 I think um, there should be like you should have to at least have a strike rate of 130 in order to qualify to win the orange cap, in my opinion. Is, yeah. that, is that a deliberate uh, a deliberate threshold you put there? Bearing in mind that his strike rate is 129.34. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Excellent. Um, also, probably worth mentioning that Ishan Kishan hit 36s, which is more than anyone else. Yeah, that that was very. Impressive. That's a lot. And he he played two fewer games as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, 13 well innings, 36s. Yeah. Um, Bowlers-wise, Rabada, he took the purple cap with 30 wickets. Ross, we'll go with you this time. Do you think anyone out-bowled Kekiso Rabada? Um, I wouldn't say they out-bowled, but actually someone who I just enjoyed watching and I thought executed what his role was in the side was um, Natarajan for the Sunrisers Hyderabad. I thought for someone coming in who's relatively young, relatively experienced, um, I thought actually he did a fantastic job, and the Sunrisers would not be—they wouldn't have got to the qualifiers if it wasn't for some of his performances. Um, and then also, I'm going to not mention my other one because he's also my MVP. <laughs> uh, Max, who outbowled Rabada, as far as you're concerned? Um, I mean, I—I I hate to just throw it to Mumbai Indians players, but it's hard not to, isn't it? Like, um. I, yeah, you could go Bumrah because he's just so difficult to score off. Like, not only does he take loads of wickets, he I don't remember. I think there was maybe one game where Bumrah got some treatment, whereas Rabada did sort of towards the end of that uh, group stage, there were a few teams that actually laid into him a bit, whereas you don't, you don't tend to see that with Bumrah. Um, but I actually quite, quite like to also give Trent Bolt a mention just because of, um, I mean, yeah, at the back end of the innings, he's not, not so good, but at the top, when it's swinging, he's nigh on unplayable. And he just pretty much ended two or three games for the Mumbai Indians within two overs. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, I've actually, I've actually got him down as my MVP, Max, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I've um, mentioned him for you. I, I have Bumrah as the best builder in the tournament. Um, obviously, obviously Rabada's has taken more wickets, but quite a few of those wickets... So you, in, in like the qualifier, he took three wickets... Uh, right at the end of the Sunrisers' yeah. innings. Um, and look, all wickets count, don't they? But sub-wickets count more than other wickets. Um, <laughs> I don't think he had a great tournament necessarily with the with the new ball, or certainly not in the same way 
uh, that Trent Bolt did, for example. Um, and and he really did get smacked in quite a few games. His economy rate is significantly <laughs> higher than all of the other bowlers um, on on the list of top wicket takers. So I think you can justify saying that the Boomerah probably outbowled him. Not to say that Rabada was bad necessarily, um, mm-hmm. just that I think I think Boomerah was better. Fair MVP much. Max, we'll start with you uh, again. Um, Joffrey yeah. Archer won MVP for the tournament, just snuck it um, by a few points on whatever system they used <laughs> to, to, to determine it. Um, who was your MVP? Yeah, I mean this is a, this is a trickier one, isn't it? This is much more uh, subjective, I think. Um, and probably easier for a, a player to win from one of the less successful teams because it's a bit easier to uh, make a difference, you know, big fish, small pond and that kind of thing. Um, had Kings Eleven completed their comeback, I would have been tempted to go for Chris Gale because he would have come in <laughs> and just won every game. Boss. Like, and, and that's just, uh, that would have been a, an excellent, excellent story. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't quite manage that. And um, I, therefore, I think, I think I'm going to go for Marcus Stoinis. Nice. Because he was just so <laughs> integral to the success of the Delhi Capitals. Marcus Stoinis was MVP of the IPL. Yeah. That is interesting. I told you it was left field. That is definitely... Well, but I think that's okay. Like, ultimately, for an MVP in my head, they're, they're, the, they're the person, the single person who walk into every single team and improve it. Marcus Stoinis would do that as, a, as, an, op- as a, an overseas player on each of those sides, you'd think. Um I come back to Joffrey Archer. The, the guy had... I was going to pick him as the bowler, but you kind of said I shouldn't go obvious. But Archer had such an... He carried that Rajasthan Royals team, which ultimately was a pretty shite team, wasn't it? They've got, <laughs> they've got Stokes, Butler. They've got big names and Smith. But ultimately, the, the, other than a couple of performances, that Joffrey was consistently their best player. Oh, by miles, yeah. He also hit yeah. 10 sixes. So did did some stuff with the bat. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, a Char- Charger was uh, definitely his playground. Oh, Charger, yeah. He, there's definitely a, there's a, there's a bit of a Charger um, luxury <laughs> tax in in those things. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But um, but uh, you got you still you still do have to hit the ball for six. Um, you mm-hmm. can't just be at Charger and then sixes come. Um. <laughs> uh, so what about you, Jack? What about you? I, I stuck with I stuck with Jofra. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in a, in a sea of mediocrity. At, um, at the the Royals, he he was, he was cut above. Wasn't he? he was miles better um, than everyone else. Um, but I think well, you could have you could have said someone like Pollard or something like that and, and made that argument because he had some pretty astonishing innings yeah. for the for the, the Indians. Um, I, just, I, I, I don't think it was more... clear cut to be honest. I, I think a lot of players had you know good innings or good good tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. If you compare it to last year, Andre Russell was run away the best player in that tournament. Um, this year there, mm. uh, there wasn't one player who was Mars better but I think Joffre was good Dre Ruskett could be argued was run away the worst yeah. we, uh, I was going to say that we'll just throw that in who Wooden was spoon. We, we, apportioning blame is something that we do <laughs> on the cricket podcast who which player should we blame the most for we, their for, well, just blame you know so oh, if I was going to go through the teams so Kings 11 Punjab well, you're going to do eight I'm, players I'm going to do eight <laughs> players I'm going to blame each one so Kings 11 Punjab Cahill Rahul wasted too many deliveries. Um, Kolkata Knight Risers, Andre Russell. Mumbai Indians, Nathan Coulter Nile. <laughs> Max, you can help me out here with some of the other teams? No, crack on, mate. You're doing a fine no. job. Uh, Chennai Super yeah. Kings, Dhoni. Yeah, Dhoni, Dhoni, I think, actually yeah. is probably the most disappointing player in the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. RCB, Virat Kohli. Yeah, always. 
Uh, Delhi, Delhi Capitals, Privdi Shaw. Oh, he did have a stinker. Yeah. He had a real stinker. Uh, and am I missing any others? Sunrisers. Sunrisers. Oh, that... Well, I see that's a difficult one because there was a sea of just awfulness for quite a long time in that side. I mean, for me, it's got to be Johnny Bairstow because as soon as they got rid of him, <laughs> started winning. Yeah, that must be how it works. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, that closes the book on the IPL. Another good year. We'll be, it was back in like three months, so um, get yeah. get ready for that. I wonder how much churn they can get through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there may or may not be a mega auction between then, so it could be completely different teams for us to learn. Um, hopefully hopefully not I barely learned these ones so yeah. that's fine <laughs> yeah. um, we, we're now going to move on to our interview with Paul Nixon um, we should put a small caveat in that um, Paul was was um, 4G'ing in from Pe- he, was, he was on a farm he was on, he was on a, a farm, farm in the middle of nowhere in Cumbria Penrith we think um, it the, sounded like it anyway yeah, the unconfirmed but yeah, the quality's mainly good but there are a couple of times when he drops out so um just stick with it. Uh, the stories, I think the stories justify um, the, 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 couple of, the couple of technical glitches. Stop, Jamie. Great work. Beautiful piece of work. That's what he was there for. Right side stamping. That was all Jack Russell's look at that one. That was a fine piece of club work. That really was fantastic work. He whipped the bars off in a flash. And as soon as they saw me, Jack Russell came bounding over. <laughs> And I just made it into the popping crease. In time. Today, we are joined by a man who played professional cricket across four different decades. In his career, he scored over 20,000 professional runs, claimed 1,500 victims behind the stumps, and he even has a first-class wicket to his name. It's England's original chat-based selection. Paul Nixon, how are you doing? (laughs) Very well. I like the way you got that one first last wicket in. Very proud of my <laughs> international captain. <laughs> who, who, well, did you, who did you get out? William Porterfield. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it could be worse. International <laughs> captain, lads. International captain. Um, yeah, <laughs> him. He was at the low point of his career. Uh, he was battling for runs. And I actually had him out plumb the, the ball before it. Uh, but Rob Bailey, I don't know why, didn't think the bales were going to come off. Um, and uh, he said, um, Nico, come on, you got a ball faster than that. So next ball, <laughs> plum LBW, hit in middle of middle, and um, it made my life complete. Well, so it's a true, it's a true all-rounder's career you've got there with that. <laughs> Every yeah, well, column ticks. It's a change from being thrown the ball when it was um, myself and Darren Robinson at any time. The ballers didn't want a ball when we had to do a few uh, throw-ups for a game that had been washed out, and we had to try and create some sort of run chase and it was generally Robbo and I who threw the filth up and everybody else just enjoyed themselves so uh, <laughs> the baller didn't want to didn't want to wreck their figures so uh, we were desperate for a wicket and sadly never got anyway until then until then so Matthew Hoggard becomes my the greatest ever captain I've played under because he gave me the ball so <laughs> good old Hoggy Hoggy's grill yeah <laughs> So as as we said, you uh, you played across four decades, which is uh, quite quite impressive, uh, especially if you, if you compare it to Ross, who can barely manage forty overs behind the stumps. Um, but I mean, how do you keep yourself motivated to to do that and um, keep a, a career going for for such a long time? You gotta love it, you know. I've been really fortunate, Max. That I just love the game. I love the people in the game. 
Um, actually, I've just spotted your uh, the background there with a the fox on it. Is that a fox on the background there? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fox blinds, yeah. Oh, I was just looking at a rug for our house for the back door step with that fox on it. It's just jumped out at me. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the Interior Design Podcast <laughs> no, with Max and Paul yeah, Nixon. I'm, I'm serious as well. I've actually got the brochure right next to me. How, how amazing is that? There you go. Just reading it. It's amazing. I'll tell you what, Ross, it's a, it's a it's a good job, Ross, that you chose to actually record the video for this one as well. You're reading, you're reading, you're reading certainly your magazines of choice certainly change as you get older, lads. Uh, I don't know where that's going to take me. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, I, listen, I've always loved it from a young lad. Um, farming family, good work ethic. In fact, you can see our local cricket ground, Eden Hall, from our from our um, from our farm. So, um, grandfather played cricket. My dad was a he's a cricket badger, absolutely loves it. Um, just finished umpiring now, deaf as a post and gone blind. So he's just finished. Um, his knees are wrecked. He's played that much cricket and football. So it was ingrained. Um, I've always had energy and passion and, and I like winning. I want to win. I want to enjoy my own success and my mate's success, my teammate's success. And I think that, you know, that's what it does. That's what this great game does. You never know what's going to happen that day, that next hour, that next minute, that next ball. And, um, you know, I've kept that love of the game and the, and the love of the people. You know, it's been very kind to me. So, um, yeah, that's never been an issue, really, the love for the game and the passion. Yeah, um, I think um, if we talk about if we talk about your England debut um, to, to sort of kick things off, because I think that's what a lot of the people um, who listen to this show will, will know you for, is that stint in 2007. Um, what I mean, I guess directly, what was it like to, to make your, your debut at 36? Um did yeah. you think it was ever going to happen? Yeah, I thought it was going to happen in um, in 1995. I had a good year, I'd scored a thousand runs. I kept wicket well. Alan Knott was the England sort of keeping coach at the time, and he was coming around regularly and working with us. And um, I was on fifty odd not out against middle uh, sorry against um, not Middlesex against Warwickshire at Warwickshire. It was England Day versus the champions of the previous summer, and uh, Warwickshire had won three competitions and lost in the final of the fourth. And um, very narrowly as well. They were an incredible year. And, and I was on 51 now out. I'm thinking I get a nice little 80 or 100 tomorrow overnight. Mark Rampricos is on 100 and plenty at the other end. And Alan Donald just gets one to bounce and, and smashes into my thumb and, uh, and, and, and shattered my thumb. And um, I was literally faced the next ball, uh, last ball of the day, walked off and um, literally took my glove off, thumb, horrific mess. And, uh, and and I was like eight or nine weeks out uh, onto the Boop Hospital operation, four or five hour operation. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. But then later on, because that was my, about a month later, it was about there's a, there's a the, um, so West Indies were coming over. I thought that's going to be when I make my debut. Uh, but um, it wasn't meant to be. And then I carried the drinks for, for Alex Stewart um, in, um, in, in uh, Pakistan and, and uh, Sri Lanka. Um, I've been on air tours as well, so I've done well on air tours, thought I was going to be there thereabouts. But yeah, listen, we've always been blessed with great keepers. It's about timing. And uh, Stewie was in the height of his game, playing beautifully. The gaffer's never injured and uh, didn't give me a sniff. And um, yeah, I just had to keep going. And I always believed, I don't know why, I just had this innate drive that as long as I'm playing, I have to play for England and I want to play for England. I've got to play for England. Uh, because that's ultimately what I wanted to do as a little boy, and I wanted to fulfill those dreams and my family's dreams, and um, you know the sacrifice that people put in, and, and um, 
you know, eventually it came around. And um, yeah, even though I was 36, I was still fit. I felt I was as fit as anybody in the game, if not the fittest in the game. I, I, I trained with the Leicester Tigers. I had specialist fitness coaches away from the game uh, only because I loved it. And um, yeah, and, and I saw a great difference in it. So it was it was amazing when I got the call. Um, yes, I'd had knee operations. I'd had a few knee operations, but I was still in good nick and uh, I still had the passion. I had a good year. We'd, um, you know, had averaged close to 50 in, in county championship cricket and um, kept wicket nicely with a good attack and got, you know, you, you, you take wickets, so you get um, you get um, victims from good bowling. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it's amazing that it came around and um, got, the, got the, uh, the call. I had a few calls from David Graveney about um, coming on with other tours, but not the main one has been the number one. And uh, when I got that, it was nice to say that my... Um, my uh, the ticket was arriving, seat 1A, Virgin Airlines, which was quite nice. The lads were not used to that um, in Leicestershire, and uh, that was quite nice. Um, I had my massage on the flight. First bloke that sees me when I get me to the Sydney ground is uh, Ian Botham, and it's Ian Botham, or, uh, Lord Ian Botham, uh, and, and Sir Richard Branson wished me well. And um, yeah, first bit of banter was getting in the, uh, getting in the airport, going through security. I get to passport control, and the bloke said, uh, Ah, here we go. I might another lamb to the slaughter. Come on in, son. Because it was five nil <laughs> on the ashes. Come on in, yeah, yeah. come and get slaughtered again, mate. And uh, <laughs> he said, anyway, a bit of banter with him. And he said, uh, You got your passport there, Nixon, mate? You got your passport? I said, Yeah, mate. He said, You got any criminal convictions? I said, Sorry, mate. I didn't realize you still need them to get in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a bit of an all one for him to start off with. And uh, yeah, I'd, 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 uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd a fantastic. Um, T20 debut, so uh, with the T20 debut first at Sydney, 40-odd thousand, ran to the rafters, Barmy Army in the corner. Uh, it was quite nice, actually, before that game because Duncan Fletcher, on my previous tours, hadn't really spoken much to me uh, and actually said, I've got something to tell you at the start of the tour, but I'll tell you at the end of the tour. And he still hasn't told me yet uh, <laughs> whether my backlift was going behind me or whatever it was, I don't know. But, um, yeah, and then Fletcher. Yeah, Fletch that day actually was brilliant. He said, um, before the T20, he said, right, Nico, you played a lot of T20. Our guys hadn't played much T20. What were your philosophies? What were your ideas? Um, and, um, you know, and things that we're still doing to this day, we talked about from our from our winning teams at Leicestershire. And, uh, and, and, he, and he got everybody together and, and I sort of not held court, but he gave me, you know, a nice uh, voice in front of the team, which for a, for a new guy coming into a dressing room, Actually, makes you feel wanted and, and feel part of the part of the squad. So, um, you know, I'll be thankful to him for that. So, in in that squad, so there were some real legends of the English game within that squad. What what is it like to be part of that team with the likes of kind of Vaughan, Peterson, Collingwood? I could name all of them, but you were part of that <laughs> legendary squad, right? And therefore, one of the England legends. So, what was it like being part of that team? Yeah, well, I was a senior guy. It was like I'd seen all these lads grow up and 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 develop in the game. So it was quite strange, really. Um, I knew them all well. We'd played against each other a lot. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, I, I just... The advice that I got from from Michael Vaughan and, and Duncan Fletcher when they sat me down, they said, listen, Nico, we just want you to be you. You've got to be yourself. You've got to be your authentic self. And, um, you know, if you feel it's safe, we feel like we've just lost our way a little bit as a team, as a culture, and we just need some some sometimes some honesty uh, and, and some strong words, and that's what we need. And... Um, yeah, you know, and we just did that, and it was great. We 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 got on. We we enjoyed each other's company. We had great banter off the pitch. Uh, we had a bit of fun off the pitch, and we took that fun onto the pitch. And um, you know, we win that series. 
Uh, first game, you know, we, we didn't do so well, T20. Uh, the Aussies got a mammoth score of 220-odd, played beautifully. Um, and when you play in those games, you want to you contribute, especially in the first few games. It doesn't matter which team you play, whether it's, you know, Penrith, and, you know, fifth team, uh, or wherever you play, if you're playing a first game for that team, you want to do well. And you want to prove to yourself and prove to your teammates that you're good enough at this level, whatever level it is. And um, and even playing for England, you get that feeling, you know, you want to do well. And um, fortunately, I got away uh, and got a 30, 31 or 32 off about 19, 20 balls somewhere in there. And uh, hit, hit a nice six. And, and um, yeah, you know, we lost the game, but I'd, I'd contributed, which was which was nice. Um, and then obviously we'd go forwards to, to Melbourne, MCG, uh, 89,000, I think that was in there in the G, um, to make your international, your true international debut. So, um, yeah, phenomenal. Uh, I, I had uh, not the greatest of debuts there, which we'll talk about in a bit, but um, yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. And we had, we had fun, you know, we had fun, and that's what it's about. We're, whatever you do, you've got to have fun, as you see in these yeah. times. Life's too short, you know. Just on the topic of fun, and particularly off field <laughs> fun, um, we've read uh so we would have been sort of 14 15 at the time so so maybe uh don't record it exactly but we've read that you were um you were around for the fredolo incident um can you shed any light on that um 13 years later um yeah i was around for the it cost me about 1500 quid i think that that, that night um <laughs> the fines coming in, in about 10 past 12 at night when everybody at 12 got fined this was afterwards so, you know, I was pretty disappointed because I was the first one to bed, I think, at, at 10 past 12. Uh, so, um, yeah, slightly disappointing. The boys had had a good night. Um, we got beat by New Zealand in the first game. Scott Styrus played well, got a nice 50-odd and won the game. And, um, yeah, you know, you're buzzing. You're excited. You're playing the World Cup you're in the West Indies. Um, I certainly know I think it's going to be my last first and only World Cup being, being you know, 37 that year. Um, so... You know, you go out, you're buzzing. The adrenaline of a game and the adrenaline of a game when you're playing international sport, and this will be in all games and, and IPL finals about to happen, um, you know, in the next few hours. And um, those guys will be the same. That when you finish, you are still buzzing for seven, eight, nine hours afterwards. It's a, you know, you're on a high and you have to try and go down. And, and, and you know, that's why back to back games are crazy because you, are, you can't sleep after a game. You are wide awake at two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and um, whether you're a player or as a coach, um, certainly after the quarterfinal at uh, not that we were lost in the quarterfinal this year at the T20, we were awake till the early hours. There's a lot of messaging going on the lads at, at, at three thirty, four in the morning. So um, yeah, that's what it's like. We're, we're still buzzing. We go out a few drinks, few of the lads have one too many. I'd got Jeremy Snape, <laughs> the sports psychologist, to come on board and help uh, get him on board with Duncan Fletcher because. Um, Freddie was battling a bit at the time. Um, it wasn't sort of enjoying his cricket um, and he was probably drinking a little bit too much as been documented before and the team was getting a little bit fractious. And um, yeah, we went out and had a good, a bit of a good night. It got from bad to worse. Um, but I actually wasn't around him when he, when he uh, got on the pedalo, but um, I certainly saw him in the morning uh, when the memo came <laughs> under my door at 8.30 in the morning uh, and a knock on the wall, jumping fletches. Memo come flying under team room immediately. I was like, <laughs> what have I done? 10 past 12, three gin and tonics. I can't get, get sent home for that. I'm 36, surely I can't get sent home. <laughs> what will my dad think? You know, what will the family think? Um, 
But um, yeah, went in the team room and the smell of Jack Daniels and Coke slapped me across the face. I was like, whoa, <laughs> somebody's had a big night here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we're all up there. We're all horseshoe chairs. Fletcher's got the, um, the flip chat up with all the initials down it and time next to it. And, uh, and he says, right, lads, I want you to, something happened last night we were very, very disappointed at. I want you to come up here now, be honest and tell us what time you got in and uh, anyway, I was first up PM, first initial. I'm like, oh God. And uh, I was in at 10 past 12, probably asleep by about half 12. Roll down. All right, Nico, sit down. As I'm about walking back, I hear, <laughs> I look over to the left, all the lads look over. And there's Freddie, pedalo out, pedalo um, gear that he'd had on. He'd had um, LA Lakers t shirt, shorts, sand all over him, <laughs> saliva. So I think my internet was a bit dodgy then. Um, so he was. He was a very lucky lad. Um, you know, he'd, he'd had way too much to drink, um, gone out on a pedlo, and, um, you know, he'd, he'd fallen in. Fortunately, he was all right. Uh, you know, they got him in, and, um, yeah, he was still there the next morning. Absolutely didn't even realise <laughs> that meeting had taken place. Um, some very loud snoring, so I for his family. A nice soundproof bedroom. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it... it, it, it um, Duncan, Duncan gave us all a bit of stick and said, listen, you know, it can't happen again. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, a costly evening. <laughs> I, saw, I almost feel like I was there now. Was just, that was great. <laughs> <You're around. laughs> um, as, as, as a player sort of around those, not, not even necessarily in the England team, but sort of, as you, met, you mentioned, uh, people like Alex Stewart and, um, and Alan Knock coaching. Um, sort of, I mean, you, yeah, you, you've, been uh, been playing around in the, in the times of a, a number of uh, people that um, that we will have we will have heard of for being pretty good at cricket, um, but we were wondering who perhaps was the best uh, wicketkeeper that you came across as a player, and who sort of inspired you to take up the gloves as as well. Um, yeah, as a kid, I remember watching watching uh, Bob Taylor being world class. Um, I remember Bob being amazing, uh, and knowing that he was the only keeper that never had his um, any webbing on his gloves in, in between the fingers that all keepers have. So Bob was amazing, a technician. Um, and then I think Jack Russell copied Bob's technique, but Alan not attention to detail. Uh, and uh, I love keeping with Jack. I was really lucky that I started my my keeping career at the same time that, um, that, that, that Keith Piper started, the Warwickshire keeper. Pipes was a real natural keeper, a real acrobat of a guy Cassie's flying takes 30 yards back from Alan Donald balling absolute rockets <laughs> and um, so I always wanted to keep well against pipes and always wanted to keep well against against Jack but Jack was a great inspiration um, everything he did was meticulous from his hat his cap being curled up he got it from Alan Knott and he curled the back up because it would push your peak down and his attention to detail on his gloves and, and, the, and the positions he got in at the crease all about the outside edge, and I took a lot from those guys. I learned a lot from Pipes. I learned a lot from um, from Jack. Uh, they were two for me that, that, that I loved, and um, always try to visualise myself in some way using those guys as it. Because when I started from a Cumbria lad from a minor counties um, background, there's no Durham to go to. I went to Lancashire on trial. They just signed Warren Hegg. I went to Warwickshire on trial. They just signed Keith Piper. So um, I was fortunate to go on the Lord's Ground staff, the MCC Young Professionals. And got a go down there at Lords. Lived in Hampstead, um, where the guy stays, 79 Fitzjohns Avenue, and um, in a hostel there with all the lads. Uh, Ian Salisbury was a 
uh, on the Lodge Grand staff with myself, I still keep in contact with Saul. I just congratulated him on his new job and new role at, um, at, at Sussex, which is fantastic for him. So those guys were two that, when I signed at Leicestershire, as soon as I got into the second team and first team, they were always there, Keith Piper, Jack Russell. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, um, I think, the word pure there and, and natural as well in sort of describing some of those guys. Mm. And sort of it's something that we were wondering if whether this is... Uh, uh, like that sort of style of the pure wicketkeeper perhaps is um, something that's going out of the game and whether actually um, it might be something that's becoming more closely relevant to, to the limited overs games um, with the, you know, the importance of spin in those games, um, the, the sort of mm. opportunity of standing up to quicks and making the difference and taking the limited chances that come. Do you think that's, uh, do you think that's a, a fair assessment and whether actually maybe some of the 2020 teams should be picking... Like a, a wicketkeeper batsman rather than a batsman wicketkeeper, like seems to be the case in the test yeah, sphere at least. I, I, yeah, I mean, I felt for James Foster, uh, Fuzzy, I believe he should have played more for England because he did well. He asked him to go away and get some more runs, and he did that, and he never got back in that side. Uh, his key, you know, was world class. And in the end, you know, he's batted, I think he averaged probably 30, 37, 38 in his first class career with a lot of hundreds. Playing good pitches, scoring consistent runs, doing well for Essex, and um, I was I felt for for Fozzy. Yeah, I, I feel you know I feel for the pure keepers, but everybody knows now you have to bat, you have to bat, and you've got to. It's times like this in the winter that you do your hard work, and you make yourself a, a, a three sixty batsman for the, for the modern day game. You have to be fluid. You've got to work with the times. There's no excuses now. The amount of great coaching that's around, the amount of videos on, on YouTube or coaching videos from, from legends or coaches or whatever they may be out there. There's always something. So on the alter, on the opposite side of that, um, being a wicketkeeper is also about being a bit of a nuisance towards the opposition. Uh, is there any particular story of a bit of sledging that kind of sticks in your mind that you kind of, you look back on and be like, that was, that was pretty smart of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some stupid ones. I remember, I remember giving Graham Gooch a bit of stick many years ago. And as he walked off about 185 now, I said, Thanks, Nick. How might you've kept me going there for the last four hours, might you think? <laughs> um, so yeah, um, but uh, no, I, I remember funny one when I, I once um, sledged David Smith, who played for Warwickshire, is about six foot seven, a bit like a man mountain smudger, and, uh, and he came in. I gave him a, a load of abuse about how rubbish he was. Uh, Less the lads had said, "Listen, give him a bit of stick, this bloke, Nick. He's a bit of a character." Anyway, I gave him a bit of stick, and he got out straight away, and. Um, as he walked past the Leicestershire dressing room, he put a massive hole straight through our door with his fist. <laughs> and um, the lads, the lads wound me up. So when I went back, when the, when the guys brought the drinks out, I said, "Nico, he's literally going to knock your head off after this game." So um, <laughs> I, was I was absolutely petrified, and uh, and I ended up, I ended up, um, I ended up getting the twelfth man to bring my car keys. And then the next morning, Smudge, I saw him in the, in the car park, and I was like, "Oh no, cold sweat." Smith is here, like, oh, what are you going to say to me? He went, Nico, mate, you did me yesterday. How did you get to me? You did me yesterday. God, I can't believe it. Sorry about the dress room. I'll pay for that. Don't I'm picking up. Back up for that. I, thought he going, I thought he was going to eat me. I mean, he was just a Goliath, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, listen, it's all, it's all banter and it's all, you know, we don't go over the line. We have a bit of banter and we test people's mm -hmm. character. Um, and um, yeah, you know, that's about professionalism. You know, days get Absolutely. days get quite boring and quite dull if you're uh, if you don't say much for me over over six hours in the field. 
Uh, when, when, spending uh, speaking of spending like six seven hours in the cricket field, um, you, there's obviously a lot of relationships that are kind of built up over time because you're kind of forced into that. You're spending so much time with each other. Um, so two questions here: one, who are your best mates in cricket, and then alter on the opposite side, who didn't you get along with so well? Who who didn't you like? Who had a, who did you have a rivalry with? Um, yeah, listen. I mean, when you're winning and successfully, get on with that. You've got a special bond. Those guys for life, you know, your your brothers in arms for life, because you've been through the special times, the high pressure situations, you've delivered, and um, yeah, I mean, probably you know, instantly I think of you know, Darren Maddie's a good pal of mine, you know, I've, I've kept in touch with Darren Stevens at Kent, great lad, um, you know, James Whitaker was, was my best man at my wedding, uh, and, and mm-hmm. myself and Jen's wedding, so yeah, you know, most of the guys I, I keep in touch with a lot of guys. I always, I've always yeah. kept just an Adrian Pearson, who's now a pilot, the off-spinner at Leicestershire, great man, Phil Simmons, <laughs> Gordon Parsons. Um, you know, we all, we all keep in touch, in touch a lot. My time in Kent, um, Dave Fulton, Mark Elam, uh, Matthew Fleming, uh, Min Patel, all of the guys. You know, my, my phone doesn't stop, uh, which is great. Um, and, and we're trying. <laughs> I to think you've got the most friends in cricket. See. Sorry. You've got the most friends in cricket. Well, normally, when we ask that question, they've got about one person. They go, "Actually, I didn't really like the rest of them." Yeah, well, so, yeah. I, I like to keep in touch with people, um, and and that's what it's about, you know. Um, yeah, I, there's not really anybody I don't dislike. Um, mm-hmm. The probably probably the person that that surprised me once was Neil Burns when he told me to put his wicketkeeping gloves down when I just left Leicestershire and was down in in um, I left Leicestershire and went down to to play at Kent and he was then playing for Leicestershire and it was a rained off game, rained off day We're in the, and I was in the Leicestershire dressing room having a bit of banter with the lads and I, yeah. and I, and I saw Burns' gloves and I sort of picked him up and put them on and he went, Nick, and he walked in and went, Nico, get them gloves off. What are you doing with those gloves? Take them off. And I was like, Burns, mate, I'm just trying your gloves on, keepers union. No, I'm not putting yours on, you're not putting mine on. And I was like, okay, hey, no problem, no problem. Uh, so yeah, but there you go. Yeah, listen, I don't, Dislike anybody. Um, yeah, listen. There's one or two things I wish I'd never said at times in, in the in the um, in the uh, in the in the battle. Um, mm-hmm. I once said something to Martin Spate at Durham that I wish I'd never uh, not um, Martin Spate um, Speaky Nick Speak, who I wish I'd never I'd never said to him um, when he was captain. Um, Did you call him uh, Michael Spake? Yeah, Spatey. Sorry, I know Spatey. Well, he's a good man. Uh, a good man. The keeper batter. Um, brilliant artist, Spatey as well. So uh, yeah, listen, I, the game's got great people in it, um, and it's about being positive, and that's what that's what life's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we move on um, to to some of the highlights of your career, I, I, I suspect. Um, Dan Weston, who I think works with you at Leicestershire, he, um, this, this was actually his, his question, basically. He says, um, between 2003 and 2006, uh, your Leicestershire team made finals day um, every year and won the tournament twice. What do you think the team was doing differently to give yourself such an advantage over the rest of the competition? Because that's, that's a, I mean, considering there's 18 counties in it, that's a, pretty, that's a bit of a dynasty you had going there. Yeah, we had real, real raw clarity. We had flexible plans. Um, we we did um, we took it seriously. The first few teams didn't take it seriously. We we went out there. We'd been off. We'd been out the county championship. We went right. This is our one chance to win the trophy. 
So we tried lots of things. We had a week off previously before that before it started. So we uh, we tried all sorts of things through that week, and it went, and, and certain things did well, and some things didn't. So um, we understood our roles when um, we practiced specifically, and um, you know we we bought into the team ethos, and um, we still do even now. All the, the, the teams that I coach have coached around the world, from the Caribbean Premier League to now Leicester to the um, uh, to the Chattagram Challengers uh, in the Bangladesh Premier League that I coached last winter, last Christmas. Um, the, the certain key fundamentals of those strategies that I use in all of those teams, and um, you know those teams have been successful, so um, we, we'll keep them. Um, and um, you know I work with Dan now. I've always enjoyed. Dan's um, ideas and, and, and facts and figures, the, uh, the analytics really does surprise people when you, when you see them. And um, we try and dig deeper to get you know, a few more percent and, and, and the right people for the right, the right part of the game uh, or the part that's about to come up. So um, yeah, it's fascinating. And um, you, know, you have to have those incremental gains and, and, and analytics and you can't get away from it. We're a bottom line industry and um, five or six years worth of living with people that gives you insight into their lives and how they think, how they behave and how their subconscious um, thinks and about their goals. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's getting the foundations right as we are doing at last year. We're getting our foundations right from a, an exciting board, a brilliant CEO, a brilliant chairman, the United front from top to bottom um, is what we're about. And, um, and I'm sure that we're going to be successful and win things. We didn't quite get there this year. Uh, but all those philosophies of our early T20, we still use now in uh, in T20 to this day. Yeah, as you said, you, you you didn't quite make finals day this year, but you've been a, f a few times as a player. Um, what what's that experience like as a, as a as a day? Uh, it's quite a sort of, like, for, as a fan, it's it's one of the highlights of the the English cricket cal calendar. But it must be um, unique, especially in the Hollies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great buzz. It's great as well. Obviously, the excitement of of the quarterfinal is a big game. And then to get through the finals day, there's a little bit of a wait generally. So you've got to, you know, try and cram in some practice when you can. Um, and then when the when it comes, you know, the night before, you're buzzing, the preparations, um, you're trying to get, you're trying to you know, design some, some, um, some great practice sessions beforehand, uh, the coaching staff. Um, and yeah, you get there and it's, I'm going first, are we on second? Uh, do we travel? Do we do we stay at a hotel or do we just travel on the day at Leicestershire because we're close? So um, you know the, the days of buzz. It's a it's a massive buzz, hell of a buzz, and you know the, it's the closest thing to playing international cricket without playing it. The pressure yeah. again is just a bit more playing international cricket, but it's it's as it's as it's the, it's as close as you'll get as a player. Yeah, if we could pick and, on and sort of one moment from. Um... From the well, your the the last your last game in England, I think um, mm. the 2011 uh, final mm. um, against Somerset, you took uh, a one-handed diving catch to dismiss Kyron Pollard, who's now I mean he's probably in an all-time T20 eleven, so maybe the game-changing moment there. In your last game, that must have been pretty special. Can you sort of give us an idea of what that must that that was like for you? Yeah, when you get to finals, you have to win, and when you played. 23 seasons and it's your last game, you have to win. There's no non-negotiable. You just have to win. Uh, and we, and it was so nice because the lads were, we were really up for it. We were really great players. 
and we had good belief in what we we're going to do. We had good plans, and he was the guy. You know, it was a slow wicket. Um, you had people, people. There's two guys going to win that game: Pollard or Josh Butler, or perhaps um, one of the perhaps one of the sort of number three, number four, Somerset, uh, somebody who could reverse sweep and sweep because he couldn't hit straight. It was so slow. So anybody that could hit square the wicket was going to be dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Karen Pollard hits he hits balls he hits cricket balls like a golf ball. He hits <laughs> meters six. Is that many dickens? Um, and uh, and we knew that you know it needed a partnership to win it, and uh, it was a big wicket. And he came out without a helmet on, and it was just it was big ego because everybody knows hmm. that he doesn't really fancy it. And mm-hmm. he came out without a helmet on. Yes, it was a slow pitch, but we had Wayne White of the ball quite quick because he were quite sharp. And um, and I remember I remember Jack Russell walking in once with Andrew Simons when he played for Kent against Gloucester, and Jack met him on about a thirty-yard circle and walked with him all the way, just in <laughs> his ears to him um, about how he's going to get out and how he's going to look an idiot and he's grips the ball back too tight. Anyway, and I remember that, and I just thought, right, this is my time to give him a bit of stick because I was pumped up as well. <laughs> And I just said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You've been an idiot. Your ego. You know he's going to knock your head off and you haven't got a helmet on. You're going to lose this game for your team. You've been an idiot. Why don't you go and get a helmet on? Actually, you can't now because you're looking <laughs> even bigger idiot by calling it on now. So what are you doing? And, um, and if actually, if you look, he actually gave himself room catch like that because you catch so many of those catches in practice. And you catch in the morning. We used to have a shower mat that Alan Knott told me about these shower mats. You... you that you put down on a bit of concrete and it flies off. It's like a, um, it's like a catch it ramp, but but actually, it's a bit more authentic and they go a bit more naturally. And I'd used them for years at Leicester, and, and, it, and it used to catch one of those flying to my right, one flying to my left, and then I was happy for the day to go and keep. And it's so nice when you get one of those um, in a match that means something. Uh, so yeah, it was fortunately it was our destiny. Caught the catch. It's the only catch I've ever caught. The only catch I've ever caught that two things happened. One, I, I caught it, it went right in the breadbasket, and I brought it into my chest. Like a, like a nine-year-old kid, you catch it, you bring it into your chest. Um, and, and the other one is when I caught it and I saw it go in, I actually got, I actually got goose pimples because I thought, we've now won. And from I caught the ball till I landed, it actually was in my mind, wow, I've got goose pimples, and actually we've won this game now. We've actually won. Um, and um, yeah, magic moment. Um, then the reaction of the lads tells it all. You know, James Taylor first there, all the lads. Uh, and and then, you know, I had the worst hangover. I was drunk for four days after that because it was my thing. <laughs> and we actually played against India just after that. I mean, it was just crazy. And I promise you, I was seeing two balls coming down when we played against them. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, tonight. Yeah, massive, massive, massive night, massive night, massive next day. Um, you've got to celebrate success. There's so much hard work goes into it. There's so much downtime of hard yakka and, and planning and prep and not doing it well and doing it again and doing it again. Now, when you get it right, you have to enjoy it. You have to. Absolutely. Uh, so you, you said there about Kieran Pollard being able to hit a big ball. Um, you've coached Chris Gale in the Caribbean Premier League. Um how exactly do you coach the self-styled universe boss who universe we boss. think has a strip club in his own house? <laughs> uh, there's certainly a lap dancing, Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, allegedly, lads, allegedly. 
no, there is. I've uh, I've been in there when there's been nobody in. Uh, yeah, it sounds, sounds like Paul Nixon has been on Chris Gale's strip pole. <laughs> but I've seen it. Um, yeah, I've been. There. <laughs> Chris has a party every year in the CPL, so uh, we have a we have a we have a good bash. Um, and uh, yeah, listen, Chris knows his game. Um, he's like anybody; he still wants to keep it in check. Uh, his early movement, um, you know, just getting him, getting his timing right. Uh, his pre-ball movements when he does them, does he just open his front foot or does he go back and across? Um, he has he has a couple of different ones. He likes to do no feet drills and get his hands working, get his bow. Um, so you know, he's one thing that amazes me about Chris Gale is how well he knows the game. He's uh, you know he's a phenomenal player. And he Chris Gale and Andre Russell hit a cricket ball like I've never seen anybody else. Um, Jimmy Cook hit a long ball years ago. Ian Botham, these guys aren't in the same bracket as Chris Gale and, and, and uh, Andre Russell. I actually fear for bowlers' lives now. I, I, I seriously do. Because I think that bowlers now in T20 cricket should wear a skull cap. Because the guys, they're so strong, they're lifting weights, they're lifting 100 kilos, plus 120 kilos, 130 kilos. Bats are three pounds, three and a half pound bats. They throw them around like kindling sticks. And when you middle a ball, it takes a nanosecond to get hit back. And I fear for bowlers to hit the ball that, that, that hard. Um, but, um, yeah, listen, you just it's about confidence with world-class players, isn't it? Most things boil down to, to confidence and, um, you know, certainly the batsmen about their pre-ball deliveries and the timing of it um, and, and just checking their options are good. But, um, yeah, it, it's about a feeling. It's how you make the player feel. That's, that's as important as anything. So, I mean, you've been a you've been a coach in the Caribbean Premier League, and you've you've had a lot of uh, success as a player and a coach uh, in in the 2020 game. Um, so, I mean, why haven't we seen you in the IPL setup? Is is that something that you've um, you've been interested in doing, or the opportunity's been there? Because I mean, there are a couple of franchises. I don't know if you've noticed that this year might be considering <laughs> a change in management. Um, yeah, um, I've actually spoken to. Um, one of the franchises um, earlier on this year, actually. Um, but it, it just wasn't for me at that time. Um, and um, I've got a brilliant job with Leicestershire. And um, I love I love my job. I love my role. I love the people at the club. We are on a mission with the Running Foxes, uh, on a mission to run to the top of the county championship. We want to win. We've got the youngest team in the T20 league this year, uh, average age of 23, which is fantastic. Um, we had Gareth Delaney as a young up-and-coming lad from Ireland as our overseas pro to try and get an overseas pro whilst uh, Yaniman Milan and um, Daniel Sams couldn't make it from South Africa and Australia respectively. So, um, yeah, you know, you want to get into the IPL, of course you do, because that's the dream and it's the razzmatazz, it's the fun, it's a massive fun, it's good paydays. Yeah, listen, I, I want to keep developing myself as well. Uh, I've got some great mentors around me. I, I like... I speak a lot to Stuart Lancaster, the, who I grew up with Stuart with Lank. Uh, he's a Cumbrian farmer's son as well. He grew up on the farm, very close to us. You always want to learn, and I'm learning all the time. And yeah, who knows? At the, at the right time, uh, let, let's see. But I, I love my, my role right now at Leicestershire. It's, my, it's in my DNA. It's stamped through me like Blackpool Rock. Um, so um, yeah, you know, plenty of time for that. Let's, let's do some winning with Leicestershire. If they come knocking on the door again, then we'll, we'll have some conversations. Who knows? Cool. That's great, Paul. Um... I think this is our last question before before we wrap up then. Um, obviously, we're recording a day before the IPL. I think we'll put this interview out as part of our IPL show 
um, tomorrow evening. We'll wrap up the final and so on. Um, so everyone will know the result by the time they listen to this. But who do you think is going to win um, tomorrow's game between the Capitals and the Indians? Well, the Indians have got a little bit more confidence going into it. But actually, sometimes the big game, uh, when a team hasn't, hasn't, hasn't played well for a while, they raise it for a big game. Um, I think the Capitals are going to win it. I've just got a sneaky oh. feeling. I've got a sneaky feeling they're going to upset they're going to upset the apple cart. I really do. Uh, I would love that. I, I think the Capitals can do it. I really do. I don't think they've peaked yet. I don't think they've played as well as they can. They've played really well at the start. It's time now just to get their momentum back and go back to their to their, their plans. And, and um, I think some of their big guns haven't fired for a while. And I think the cream always rises to the top. So I think there's going to be one or two surprises. Could right, be so looking like good. a real clairvoyant tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> or an idiot. Um, <laughs> All right, cheers, Paul. Uh, it's been great talking okay. to you. Um, is there anything you want to say uh, before before we wrap up? No, I just want to say everybody stay safe. Uh, keep doing the right things in lockdown. Um, massively important. We keep spreading the word as well about, about cricket and the positivity. But um, yeah, stay safe, everybody. Keep positive. Cheers Thanks, then, Paul. Paul. Thanks. It was 335 to win for India. And then came the near unbelievable part... Sunil Gavaskar batted through 60 overs and made 36 not out. I've never seen anything quite like it in a limited overs game before or since that day. It was almost as though they were having batting practice, either that or playing for a draw. England won the match by 202 runs. That was Paul Nixon. Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. I'm sure you're listening right now um before we wrap up max you delivered some poetry earlier um and we have just found out that you actually wrote a second poem do you want to perform that as a as a farewell to the ipl well you know it's been requested fervently by my fellow fellow uh, podcasters so who would be who would i be <laughs> to deny them such enjoyment i'll take it away shall i do you, do you, do you want to count in no that's all good three, that's all two, good one i'm good mate Let's go. This year's IPL was played overseas, in two cricket grounds and a back garden. This podcaster thought you'd win it with ease, but your poor start left him quite uncertain. Seventh in the table just passed halfway, but via the genius of Dave Warner, Saha and Kane in, while Bairstow made way. Sunrisers win, their form turns a corner. Net run rate is good and Punjab have choked. To make the playoffs, they just need three wins. Williamson playing, some masterful strokes. Batsman confounded by Rashid Khan's spin. RCB fall and sunrisers march on. At the last step, though, stoyness was too strong. There's, there's a theme. It's stoyness. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good, Max. Um, wonderful stuff. Thank you very much for listening to The Cricket Pod. Find us at The Cricket Pod on Twitter and the other thing, thecricketpod at gmail.com if you want to drop us a long-form email. We have some good guests coming on. Sexual chocolate, anyone? <laughs> 